going to go to Haggai, chapter 2. Let me get there if you would, so let's say your name. <clears throat> and I want you to hold your spots there. Wood. And go to Romans 4, verse 20 and 21. So when you find Haggai, hold your place there. Haggai, the second chapter. And then I want you to go to Romans, the fourth chapter, New Testament. Chapter 20, I mean verse 20 and 21. Romans 4, verse 20 and 21. And this message tonight is, comfort me while I hope. Comfort me while I hope. You know, it can be very, very hard for we as people in our time of hope <clears throat> to find comfort. But during the time of our hope, there's a thing called the elapsing of time. And during this elapse of time, or the process of it all, we need comfort in various areas of our life. This word tonight hopefully will give you the comfort and the supreme consolation that God has for his people. But I want you to understand that in the midst of, 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 of waiting in hope for something that our faith is certainly going to be tested people. I wish that I could sit here and tell you that it would. But if I sat here and I told you that I'd be telling a lie. The word of the Lord says in Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 20 and 21, it's talking about Abraham. It says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. So you got to have a made up mind. Fully persuaded that what? He, God, had promised. He, God, was able to also perform. Are you fully persuaded that God is in your life? Are you fully persuaded? I'm not talking about Sunday morning Christianity here, people. I'm talking about a true connection, a true anointing, and a true relationship with our Father, our Creator, the Holy Supreme God, through Jesus Christ. That's the question, and that's where we're at on this day. We're at a place where God wants to call us up. But before God can call us up, He's got to call us out. Do you agree? Amen. See, God, God can't take you to the next place 
until you've been bona fide, qualified, called out to do the job that he has for you to do. Once you qualify, then God will take you places, serious places. Once you qualify, then God will take you into places where you'll see what the true ministry is. I say the true ministry. God will take you places where he took the prophets and the apostles and the disciples of old. He'll take you into places and around people where you'll be staring death straight in the face. But instead of death, you'll be able to place life into them. Not because of what you are, but because of who you are and what you have in you. And that's why I said that the title of this message tonight is Comfort Me. You got to take this as an individual thing. Comfort me while I hope. Because I guarantee you that we as a people are going to have to learn how to hope against all hope. Even when hope is not beneficial to hope. We're going to have to learn how to hope in spite of what the conditions are in our life. Because it was hard for Abraham. But Abraham, against all hope, people, he continued to believe in hope. Why? Because he was fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. The Bible says, let every mind be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. So we see here in the book of Haggai, the second chapter, In the first verse it says, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai. Now this prophet Haggai, the word Haggai means celebration or festival. So this prophet Haggai, he was bringing an inspired word of celebration. And that's what God wants to do. To us. He wants to bring an inspired word of celebration to us. But notice when it came. It came in the seventh month, which means it came when faith had been perfected. It came in the 20th day and one which is the 21st, 2 plus 1, 3. It was the time that our faith had been resurrected to a place. It had been accentuated. It had moved upward, not downward, people. Hear me, people. There are two ways that we can go. We're here, right here, in the middle. You can either reach up. That's what I always tell you. Find people that you can, that will challenge you to pull you up, because God wants to pull us up. Or you can reach down and lower yourself. Or you can lower your standards. Now, here's where the problem is with we as a people. Our relationships 
with family members and our relationship with friends and relatives and all of that, most of them are on the down low. Would y'all agree to that? Be honest with me. All mine are. Just be honest. Just, just, just be honest. And what we keep trying to do is we keep trying to prove who we are in God to people who really could care less about you or your God. You know why? Because they're going to always hold you hostage to what you used to be. That's all they're going to ever see you as. That's why Jesus Christ said, a prophet has no honor in his own home. <coughs> to do God's will, you got to go first. You got to cut that loose and go first. That's what you have to do. So God says, I want you to bring a word of comfort and hope to my people. Because my people keep being tricked by things that, that just don't, I mean, if you're going to be tricked, then we ought to be tricked by something that's new. But the thing about it is, ain't nothing new under the sun. So whatever it is that's been holding us back and continues to hold us back, we've been there before. God says, I want to give you, I want to remind you of some things, and then I want to bring you forth. I want to comfort you while you're hoping. I want to comfort you while you're in your hope with me. So um, I can't do this until this seventh month and 21st day come forth. In other words, I can't do this until your faith has been perfected. Until you get to the point, hear me, church, until you get to the point where you're going to believe God against all hope, you're going to hope anyway. I, I mean, I'm talking about just stand fast. And even though everything around you seems to be falling down, but you are standing on the rock, and it ain't going to never fail. That's the kind of faith it's going to take for you to understand and for God to come into your life and speak a word of celebration. Where while everybody else is toe up, you're going to be joyous. I, I looked at my wife this morning and I said, baby, I don't care about what they say about what's happening out there in the economy. Famine ain't going to hit my house. It ain't. It's not going to hit it. I don't know no family. You know what? Because my God don't have no family in him. And see, I'm his son. So if he eat, I eat. If he dress, I dress. If he ride, I ride. Does that make sense? What kind of God would he be? If I was his son. And he living in the palace. And I'm living in the poor house. Now, I want to ask you something, because I want to explain something to you. You're going to hear me talk a whole lot about poverty. 
But when I talk about poverty, it ain't got nothing to do with money. So don't, 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 don't get confused up in here. When I talk about poverty, I'm talking about your mindset. Remember that word, roll away the stone? Remember? See, when I talk about poverty, I'm talking about the condition of your soul. That's what, that's, kind of, that's what I'm talking about. It ain't got nothing to do with this other stuff, because to be frankly with you, this other stuff called money and the bling and all that stuff, it can put you in poverty within yourself. It can mess you up. See, I'm going to tell you something. Money in the hands of a fool is a dangerous thing. Get Money can destroy us. I told y'all before, that's why people, everybody, is not going to be rich. That's why, in the church, that's why that's a false doctrine when they teach this thing about material richness and stuff. Yes, God has selected people who can handle that in the body of Christ. Because God, being our Father, is not going to give us something that will kill us. What kind of Father would he be to do that? But he'll give you what you need. And as you mature, you see, because the prodigal son, when he gave the money to the prodigal son, what did the prodigal son do? How many prodigal sons been in the house? Is in the house now? And then I was eating with the swine behind me. So here we are, and when we speak about poverty, we're speaking about not a physical condition, but a spiritual condition of your soul. And what happened is, is that in this impoverished position of our soul, we become destitute all the way around. Physically, emotionally, you become destitute completely. You become messed up physically, you know, but it all starts from inside where the spirit realm is. You see, too many of us are trying to connect ourselves with God through the outward thing. And then we, 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 when we get the outward thing, then we try to bring it inside and put it on the spiritual altar, and it never works. Because this spiritual altar inside of us is designed to put spiritual gifts on not material gifts. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is a spirit. See, that's what Cain messed up at. Cain did that. We're preaching a message of Cain out here in the world. And that's why the church is becoming at a point now where that message that they've been getting, they're getting tired of it. Because it don't move them no more. It don't do nothing for them no more. So what they did was they disrupted the unity of God because when they were preaching sound doctrine, they broke away from it. And then they started teaching their own thing to get the people to come in. Now they got the people on the airplane, but they don't know how to land the airplane. You understand what I'm saying? They got all these people on the airplane, but they don't know how to land it. So now they got to try to figure out now, what do we do next? If you start with that, you'll be able to end with that. If you teach your people to start with that minister, 
they'll be able to end with that. And whatever comes in between that, they'll be able to handle it if you teach them from the beginning that way. But the problem with the church is this. The church don't want sound doctrine. Is it not written in the book of Timothy? There'll come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. But they'll give it to themselves, teachers, having what kind of ears? Itching ears. They want their ears tickled. When you don't tickle their ears, they don't want to hear it. And guess what? When you walk away from God, guess what happens? God turns himself on you. Now you're looking at God's back. You know why? Because you're going the other way. You can't see God's face going this way. But if you turn to him, he'll turn to you. Because God, from my understanding, God turned his back when all that sin came on his son. He couldn't look at it. He couldn't look at it. But the Lord says that his eyes are over the righteous. That's what, that's what the word says. That's what, that, that's what the word says. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open to that prayer. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So God speaks about comfort. And God speaks about hope. And so he comes in with a word. He comes in with a word. And, 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 and before he can bring this inspired word of celebration, that's what the prophet Haggai means, before he can bring that, he's got to stir up some things in the people. Some things got to be stirred up. So we'll go over here to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 through 10. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 3, I mean 1, verse 3 through 10. Are we there? Yes. I want you to look at the word here. It says, Blessed be God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father of mercies, the Father of mercies, mm -hmm. he's that. And he's the God of all comfort. Not some comfort, all comfort. So whatever it is that you need to be comforted by, my Bible tells me God is the God of all comfort. Even when hope don't look like hope no more, if you stand in hope, He'll come, and comfort will be there for you. God wants us to understand that he will comfort us while we wait in hope. So, this is what God does in verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. It goes on and it says that he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, all of us. But he doesn't just do it for us that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So when we go through things, God comforts us. It's not just for us, but it's also for others. 
That's why the Bible says count it all joy. Look at verse 5 here. I want to reveal something here. For as the sufferings of Christ abounded up, have you ever been overwhelmed by sufferings and grief? As it just, just, just overbite. Well, guess what? It might not feel good, but did you not know that's a good thing? Watch this word. You say, how in the world can that be a good thing? Because it is in God's eyes. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, which is our comfort, also abounded by Christ. So what happens is, is that as our sufferings go upward, as the bar is raised on our suffering, the bar is also raised on our consolation that Christ gives us. So what we do is we get to a level of being able, we've suffered enough to get to a level where God will call you and he'll speak to you and he'll say, now you're ready to go and preach to those on death row because you've suffered, a, you've reached that height in your suffering. You understand? See, it couldn't happen until you had to go through some things. You know? You see, so while we holler, woe is me about suffering, nobody in a good mind likes to suffer. But at the same time, while we're suffering, God is working out, out of this light affliction, a more exceeding and eternal way to glory in us. You see? It's, a, it's not to be compared. The affliction that we go through now is not to be compared with this exceeding and eternal way to glory that's going to be found within us. It's not to be compared. Now that's hard to understand why you're going through what you're going through. Here's where in the multitude of counsel dwells faith. But where there is no counsel, the people die. God wants to help us. We are family here. God wants to be, God is with us. But are we with ourselves? You see, I can't help you if you don't let me help you. And see, this is what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to take your life. Satan wanted to take that woman's life out there. The reason that he wanted to take that woman's life out there is because she was over here. He had her isolated. And when he got you isolated, there's no counsel there. Who are you talking to? What's the devil? You got two things that you got. When you're in that corner, depression and the devil. What a combination. What a combination. When you, when, when you got that working against you, you don't need no more enemy. You got all you can, you, you do not need no more. And, and, and it won't be long for you won't have no more. Because you can only take so much. So we don't never want to get to that point where We've gotten ourselves in a corner, back into a corner, and we don't know how to get out of it. Because I know and I testify to the fact that 
you can be so confused until you won't even know how to make your way out of a paper bag that's empty. Am I the one that's been confused like that? Now that's confusing. And it, it's during these times that we need proper counsel. But here's what the devil did. The devil will play on you and tell you, don't say nothing, you can handle it. He'll trick you. He'll, he'll make you close your mouth because he knows if you open your mouth. Jesus said you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask to miss. In other words, your faith ain't where it's supposed to be when you ask. But even then, if you if you help me in my unbelief, then I can I can even work with that. If you just open your mouth. So what happens here is as we go up in suffering, so does Christ abound in us, accompanying us. Okay. Now look at First Peter. Look at First Peter because we, and hold your place right there at Second Corinthians. Don't. But look at First Peter. I'm gonna, I, I, I want to try to help you as well as help myself. Most of all, this because I'm concerned about our souls because I love my people. And I, and, I, and I want to see all of us make it in. There's too many of us falling off the chairs. And the reason that we're falling off the chairs is that we didn't go by the instructions when we were on how to sit in the chair. You see? We'll talk about that at a later day again. But anyway, 1 Peter 3, verse 14 through 17. Are we there? Yeah. It says here, talking about suffering. It says, But if, but, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your what? Heart. That word sanctify means to set apart the Lord and make him holy in your heart. How do you do that? John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. Sanctify thee, me, with thy word. For thy word is truth. So it's only by way of the word. You stop reading this word. You stop listening to this word and putting personal time in with God and it won't be long. It won't be long. Your glow is gone. Your happiness is gone. Your life is gone. It won't be long. It says, but sanctify, verse 15, the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas we speak evil of you, or whereas they speak evil of you for doing good. You ever had anybody speak evil of you because you was doing good? And, and, and they get mad and, and, and they start you know, just talking evil against you. As of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in God. For the Bible here says, for it is better if the will of God be so 
that ye suffer for well-doing rather than for evil-doing, okay? So if we suffer, we need to suffer. It's better that we suffer for doing well. Now, all suffering will bring us to a point where we can get something out of it, but it's better to suffer for well-doing than for suffering for doing evil, okay? Let's go back to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. You'll hold your place in Haggai because we're going back there. That's the main text. I'm just dealing with some stuff here. Come, come. Verse 6 says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 6, And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the doing of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So what he's saying is, is that whether we are afflicted or whether we are comforted, we are not afflicted just for our own sake. But it's to comfort others in their affliction. And the only way that you can comfort others in their affliction is that you got to have some affliction. You got to know what it is to be going through what the person is going through. But now, don't get twisted here on this, because that doesn't give you an excuse to go over here and do these things and think that it's okay to do them and come back thinking that we can play, that's playing cat and mouse or cops and robbers. It won't be long. So do not do that, because God is not mocked. Whatsoever man's soul, that's what shall he reap. So I just want to make that clear. Because, you know, one thing I learned about life, life with people, life and people are, is that people are cunning in this life. And we look for ways out. We look for a reason to do what's wrong instead of do what's right. So let me just, I don't want you to get twisted. Verse 7 says, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. So Philippians 1.29, you don't have to go there, but it says that even though we, it's not been given unto us to just believe on behalf of Christ, but also to suffer for his own sake. So when we took on this role as believers in Christ, we also received the sufferings of Christ. But through Christ, we also received the consolation of him. So you see, it's a twofold thing. You can't get the comfort of Christ without the sufferings now. So I'm not going to preach that lie to you like a lot of folks do. No, if you won't, what you're supposed to have from God. This is how you get it. You want the house, you want the car, you want all that stuff that them lying preachers be pushing out there, you know the ones. This is how you get it, according to the Bible. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. That's the proper way. No, it ain't popular. But I ain't trying to win a popularity contest with you. I'm trying to win your soul to Christ. 
That's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I t I'm serious. God, in his time, will not only fill this up <laughs> over and over again, but he'll move us on to be filled somewhere else. I ain't worried about that. But I just want to be filled with the right thing. I want this place to be filled with what God wants here. And not what your, uh, uh, my great oratory skills of preaching and teaching, as they say. You know what I'm saying. See, I'm not interested in that. But the only thing that interests me is that you sitting under this word of God and it's anointing your soul. Because it just would be a tragedy to sit up under this word and not receive it and die. You're right. Mm. Like many of them have. They sat here, ain't heard nothing. That's a tragedy. And they're gone. They died. They died spiritually. My Bible tells me that it's impossible, the book of Hebrews, to have known and tasted the goodness of God and seen the light of God to get back with it. Because that's like crucifying him all over again. What I'm trying to say, you better be careful. Talk about I'll get back. We had one. Well, I knew I was going to make it back. I ain't made it back yet. Ain't made it back yet. And guess what? I ain't going to make it back. You know why? Because you played with God one time too many. One time too many. See, every time you go out there, it's a chance that you'll never make it back. It's only by the grace of God that we make it back. Only by his grace. So verse 8 of chapter, of, uh, of chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians says, For we will not, brethren, have you what ignorance of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Asia represents the body. Got a lot of clothes in our body. We don't went through a lot, haven't we? In this life. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of it. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired, even our life. That means they wanted to kill themselves. They wanted to die. They were so hard pressed from what life was bringing on them that they wanted to die. Now, I've been there plenty of times. And, it, and it's a pro-dog when death won't even, don't even want me. Just say, I don't want you. I leave that on open range the other day. A cowboy pitching, and I shot up everything. An old man shot, they just shoot each other. And they run out of bullets and reloaded and put the gun up to the man's head. And the old man say, kill me, kill me. And he looked at him and said, I ain't going to kill you. You're going to suffer this out. Death wouldn't even kill him. He all shot up and everything. You know, he ready to go because he, he's through. <coughs> and death didn't even want him. The same thing that was shooting him didn't even want to kill him. Since it didn't kill him while it was shooting him, it's just going to let him suffer. 
And that's the way I've been before. Paul said they were so hard-pressed until he didn't even want to live. But we had the sinners of death in ourselves. Y'all see that in verse 9? I, I, I want you to understand. I just don't want you to see this because a lot of times we read this stuff but we don't understand what these men are saying. I want you to see what these people are talking about here. What these people were going through. He's saying in verse 8, I don't want you, brethren, talking about it. I don't want you to be ignorant of what I, the trouble that we've gone through to the point where we just wanted to die. Then the first time we had a death sentence in our But that death sentence was that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead. See, that's why sometimes God oppress you out of your seat and have you wanting to die. Because you got he got to get you to the point where you know that it ain't you, it's me that's keeping you alive. It's not your strength. It's me. And what I put on you, I want you to remember. Because we as human men, we got a hard head. And we don't remember too well. But God said, I'm going to have to put something on you that will make you remember, you know, who I am. And that you can't trust in yourself with this thing, but it's me. After, with what I put on you, it's teaching you to trust in me and not in yourself. Because you don't believe in your money and that didn't, that didn't last long. You don't believe in your girlfriends and your boyfriends and your husband and your wife and that doesn't work. So now you're back at square one again, right where you left where you should have stayed. You were looking for love in all the wrong places. And you got friends in low places. But God said, come on up a little higher. But you say, no, I think I'll stay down here. Because of the mindset. That mindset. That's why, that's why we talked about rolling away that stone See, see, Lazarus couldn't come up out of there. He couldn't even hit a boy. Until he rolled away that stuff. You got to roll away that thought that's in your mind that keeps making you hang down low and start listening to the voice that say, raise up and come on up out of there. And when you come up out of there, take that napkin off your face where you can see. Because a lot of times God delivers and then we keep the napkin. <laughs> like something. You got to take the napkin off. Now, what, what good is it to be resurrected? You walking around like you, Jesus Christ. Loose him and let him go. And then take that blind off of him. Before you kill him. <laughs> Verse 10 says, Who delivered us from a what kind of death? Great. Greater than death. That's what he delivered us from. And do it deliver. Hmm. 
and in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. You see that? It's three deliverers there. Wait a minute. Hold up. He saved us. That's the first deliverer. Right? Are you with me? Hear me, church. See, this is another lie. Ain't no one saved always say, Watch this word. He that didn't do it to the end shall be saved. Watch this word. Watch it. He delivered us. And I, and I got scripture. I can go down through there and show that that's a lie from hell. That's a trick of the enemy. You can go back the other way anytime you want to. He said, No man can pluck you out of his hand, but he didn't say you. If you want to leave, you, you got free will. You want to go to hell, you can go. Huh? That's your talk. That's your talk. Play no game. Bible says, If a righteous man turn from his righteousness and die, that's it. The soul that sinner die, that's it. He said, Who have delivered? From such a greater death. Save him. And do it deliver. That means he's still delivering him. Still saved him. Along, huh? He didn't do it to the end. And says what? At the end there about still going to deliver him. And we'll yet do what? There's a final deliverer. There's a final redemption. There's a final salvation. We ain't there yet. We ain't there yet, church. The Bible says, whosoever believes on him, even though that receives him, shall become, not be, but become the sons of God. John 1, 12. Become don't sound like you it. Process. Process. I told y'all before. You sign up for school to be a doctor. That don't make you no doctor. You got to go through the process. And trust me, it's hard. Am I ever going to finish this thing? I want to quit. You want to quit? You know when this one, you spent all that money? And you talking about quitting? Are you crazy? Quitting? You quit if you want to. You know, spend my money. Quit if you want to. You will be quit. Yeah. You gonna quit. I don't like it. You don't like it. Well, I'm gonna teach you how to like it. I'll teach you how to like it. There's my money involved in it. I'll teach you how to like it. Why do you think it's fair? Well, who asked you whether it was fair? You didn't ask me whether it was fair, and you wanted me to spend the money. So I figured it ought to be some kind of negotiation here, some kind of understanding here. My money, your cooperation. Amen? Well, that's the way God feels about it. He paid the price, didn't he? Okay. We entered into the deal, right? When you break a deal, you get penalized, right? Amen? Doing war time, and we're in war time, right? That's called treason. That's a death sentence. You better help me, church. I'm trying to help you. Church full of treason. 
So the word of the Lord says, catch this, one, two, three. The word of the Lord says that back over here in Hagar, the second chapter, Hey, guys. Mm -hmm. Say amen when you get there. Amen. Now look at the book of Hey, guys. Verse 2. Are y'all with me? Amen. It says, speak now to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel means out of Babylon, okay? But did you see what he said? He said, speak now. Now. Wait a minute. Speak now. Something had to happen before he told him to speak now. He said, speak now to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel means out of Babylon or out of confusion. You know, those that he has brought out of Babylon, the conviction of the world and the bondage of the world and all of that, that's Babylon. It'll confuse you. It'll have you twisted. Now, speak now to Zerubbabel. Let's go here and see what he's saying here. He said, now, won't you speak now to him? Go to Haggai chapter 1. And we're going to deal with verse 14, 4, 7, and 9. Let's go to verse 14 first. Are we there? Amen. Look what he says here. He says, speak now, right? He said, then Zerubbabel, the son, or, or, and the Lord, look what he did. He done to Zerubbabel now in Verse uh, 14 of chapter 1 of Agai. He says, And the Lord stirred up the what? Spirit. Spirit of Zerubbabel. See, sometimes you got to be stirred up. How did he stir up the spirit in him? I'll show you in a minute. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shekiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. And the spirit of all the what? Remnant. remnant. Look around you. Remnant of the people. And they came and did what? Well. Worked in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. But he had to stir them up first before he could get them to do anything. Well, let's see how he stirred them up. Go over here to verse 4. Look here. Are you there? Look what the word of the Lord says. Word of the Lord says, it, is it time, he asked a question here. He said, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? He stirred them up now. He asked him a question. See, because what they had been doing, they had been taking care of their own house, but they hadn't been taking care of the house of the Lord. You know how we do. Y'all know how we do as church folks. We always want something for nothing. But we don't want to put nothing out. Y'all know how we do it. I'm talking about the church. Jesus' church. The one he died for. So he's correcting some things here. Because before he can speak that word of celebration into your soul, he's going to have to stir you up. And the only way to stir you up is to stir up your spirit about the truth of the error of our ways. So the word of the Lord says... It is, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? He asked that question. 
Then he goes on down to verse 7 and he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider what? Yahweh. We know what we do, don't we? The Lord says, before I speak a word of consolation, and we're going to do that, but we're going to stir you up first. Before we can speak the now word in you, you got to be stirred up about your errors and erroneous ways of living. He's talking to all of us. He wants everything angry. Stir it up. You know the word, start something. That's what a true prophet do. Start something. Burn hell out the people. We done got so used to this old casual Christianity. Nobody don't want to speak the truth about the situation no more until how somebody going to get saved? Tell me. How somebody going to get saved? How somebody going to fear God? If the people are standing in the pulpit, don't bring the reverence of God in the house. How somebody going to finish? You tell me. By the way, consider your ways. You look for much, verse 9. Look at it. And lo, it came to what? Little. Consider your ways. And when you brought it home, who blew on it? God blew on it. Look what I got. No, you ain't. But I had it. God, look at how crazy we are. And we just go like we got something. And when we get it home, Met this most beautiful man. Oh, I've got this beautiful woman bring her home, and now you want to blow on her. Because you let God out of it. Can I get free? He said he blew up. Why? He asked the question. Why did I blow up? Said the Lord of hosts. Because my house. That is, it, that is waste, and you run every man to his own house. In other words, you take care of your own, but you leave God's house undone. You see trash on the floor? Won't pick it up. But you pick it up at home, I hope. Bags need to be in the Bags in there, we bought the bags, all you gotta do is look under the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about us. That's what I'm talking about. Vacuum cleaner in there. Everything you need to keep God's house in order. Is that dusted? Everything. It is. That's what he's talking about here. Everybody feeling all right now? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, everybody's feeling good now, ain't they, huh? You stand up now, see? Now I can give you the now word. See, so I tell you the error of your way. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, you know what I like about God? When you, you, when you know you're doing what you 
what you're supposed to do to the best of your ability with God. And it's pointed out to you where you're falling short. It don't bother you. It makes you happy. You know, you're glad. <laughs> but now, if you know that you're wrong and you ain't trying to be right, you don't like it. You'll get angry. You'll get angry. I, you remember that song? I see, I see them signs. I see happy signs. I also see trees on I see it all. I do. Now, go back over here, because I'm going to give you this word of, I'm going to give you this, this word of consolation. Now that God has stirred it all up, now I want you to understand why God did what he did, because God wants to bless you. Watch this word. Okay. Chapter 2. Haggai, chapter 2, verse 2. He said, speak now to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is out of Babylon. That which God has brought out of Babylon, Okay. He's the son of Shekiel, which means he's the builder of the things you've asked God for. You, have you asked God for anything? Huh? Well, God hasn't forgot it. God hasn't forgot it. I told you he's going to speak a now word of consolation in your soul. But before God can do what he's going to do for you in your now season, he had to tell you about your past season, because he don't want you bringing that mess into your now season because he can't bless you like that. Stop bringing that mess. God trying to bring you higher. I told y'all before, stop hanging around people who don't have no vision or nothing and ain't trying to go nowhere in life. Why do you keep God trying to pull you up? You trying to pull yourself down. Man told me that. Well, I can give you. I can give you. Uh, uh, I wouldn't plan on spending this much money, uh, but I can do five. He said, "I don't want five. I want five. And let me go in there. Well, I know when he go in there, what we're gonna happen? Cause my man was over in the next one, and he'll sell it out. Come back in there. He got. And I ain't paying it back because mine. See, that's what I'm trying to say. I keep trying to tell y'all how this thing works. I keep trying to tell you. God has blessed God. The wealth of the wicked, you hear me? Is laid up for the dead. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? That's the word of God. And if it ain't working in your life, the reason that it ain't working in your life is because you don't believe it. You ain't reached that level for it work. That's why I'm trying to teach you through the word. I ain't stressed about nothing, and I'm not going to be stressed about nothing. I'm not going to do it because I believe God. The word of God says that I want to speak to those that have asked God for some things. I want to speak to that thing in you that's going to build that for you. He's the governor of Judah, so it's got something to do with your prayers. And to Joshua, Joshua means salvation, savior. It's got something to do with him the son of 
They're seated. He's the builder of righteousness. He's also the high priest. And to the residue of the who? So he's speaking to some things in us as well as to the residue of the people that are here to hear. And these are the same people over here in Haggai chapter 1, verse 14. Those are the same people that he had to stir up. Guess what? Most of them was leaders. He called off the leaders first. That stirred them up first. Then he got down there to the remnant of the people, the residue. You see it. So the word of the Lord says, Who is left among you that saw the house in her first glory? Ain't many of us. Matter of fact, ain't two of us. Bring me in there. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? The question is asked. How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Can you see? Yet now, he says, I want you to be strong, O Zerubbabel, the one that I brought out of confusion. I want you to be strong because a lot of us right now that God has brought out of confusion, we are becoming weak and weary because we're running on our own passion and not on God's spirit. But he says, look now, I brought you out of this confusion, out of this Babylon. Now, you need to be strong, O Joshua, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, O Zerubbabel, verse 4. Saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, that Savior that's inside, the high priest, the son of Josedet, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, and do what? Work. All right. We got this event coming up. It's right around the corner. How many of y'all been out there on the gridiron? Raising the money that you're supposed to. You ain't got to raise your hand. Ask yourself that question. And then measure yourself up against the word that's here. It says here, and I'm going to read it again because I want you to see it. It says, Verse 4, yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel. You be strong, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord. And do what? Work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, I'm with you. But you got to go to work. Verse 5 says, according to the word that I have covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of the world, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear not. So, what God spoke to us in the beginning of this thing called House of Destiny, he says that the, my spirit is still with you. With them things that I spoke the Lord spoke to me in 2003, before I got out of prison, I had a vision about House of Destiny, because I had taken the reins from in prison. My wife had turned the reins over to me. 
we were just now meeting, and she saw in me what God was wanting to do. And God gave me a vision. After he gave me the vision that she'd be coming to the penitentiary, and that would be my wife, well, before I got out, he gave me another vision, and it was these three trucks. And these trucks were as large, and they reached the heaven, three of them. And there was this little bitty truck of trucks that was falling behind them big old trucks. And the Lord revealed to me that them three trucks that reached the heaven were the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And that little trunk of truck was H-O-D following it. Y'all know what a little trunk of truck is, a little dump truck? Well, that's us. And he was taking us, and, and them trucks, they were leading me down, up, down to a river where there were broken roots. Broken roots. And we were picking up them broken roots. Those were broken souls. And we were placing them in that little trunk of truck. Mm-hmm. And then we followed them three trucks to another spot and do the same thing again. I'm telling you, that same spirit is still on this house. That same spirit. See, we're looking for souls that are broken. We're not looking for church people that want to have church and jump around and act all crazy. That don't get you nowhere. That frustrates preachers after they get that going and they see that it don't go no further than that. Do y'all believe that? I know enough preachers to know that it frustrates them. You know the only thing that makes you happy as a preacher is to see young people grow in the spirit. You want a preacher to be happy? Let some souls truly get saved and they start growing in the spirit. Because the preacher will see it. And then the people will start recognizing it too in each other. And they'll start seeing and believing in the God that's in them. And they'll cut all this other foolishness out. And they don't want that around them no more. And when they start talking about running to this conference and that conference, for what? All the conference I need is right there. That's all I need right there. I just need somebody to give it to me. I don't need nobody to, to write a new book or do a new play. If it worked then, it'll work now the same way. Witnessing. And we done tried to do this thing all these different kinds of ways. And all we've done is mess the church folk up and mess those up that would have came. Because what happens is, is that when we get them up in here, then that old fake stuff wear off. Then what you going to do? You're going to holler, I'm tired. I don't want to go no more. And that's why I took y'all in there to watch that video. And y'all watched that video. I gave y'all CDs, put them in your computers and watch them. And listen to them sermons. Because I don't want my people to be behind on nothing in here. <coughs> if you're going to be here, you're gonna be, you, you got to be up to speed with what we're doing here. Because the Lord is moving. So he says in verse 6, for thus saith, I didn't know it was that late, but I'm about finished. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, it is a little while, listen, and I will shake the what? Heaven, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. 
Uh-oh. Look at Obadiah. It's next to Amos. Obadiah. Right there next to Amos. A couple books over. Two, three books over. Right, right before John. Obadiah. First thing Jesus, the, the word of God said is I'm going to shake. Y'all can just write it down if you want to. Obadiah. One, four. Are you there? Is anybody there? Just write it down. Listen to the word of God. Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, me and my son-in-law were talking about this, setting that nest upon the stars, this will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. You see what man is doing? You see why he said I'm going to shake the heaven first? Because what man is doing is, that's, why that, that's, that's exactly why that space shuttle thing is about finished now. Because the reason why is that they done built that little old nest. They done built a little nest because they know that the earth is running out of resources. And they ain't going to wait till it run out in order to do it. So what they're doing is they, they're building their little nest because they're going to try to get away. I know it sounds like science fiction, but you bet it, ain't, it ain't science fiction to God. It's real. So whatever it is that you're trying to gain in life, you better not forget God in whatever it is you're running at. Because it ain't going to last. So they're going to set their little old nest above the stars. That's where they're going to try to hide and get away from the calamity. Those that's got the money. The Lord said, I'm going to shake heaven first. And it ain't going to be long, you said, get a little while. I'm going to shake it. And then after I shake it, I'm going to shake the earth. And the sea and everything. I'm going to shake it off. Now watch what he does. He says, after I shake this thing, go back on here to, to, to Haggai 2, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Are we there? Amen. He says, after I shake this thing, then I want you to understand in verse 7 that I will shake all the nations. And the desire, look what he's going to do. You know all them folks? Now, if this hit, it's just hit. I don't care. You know all them folks? that don't want to do right by God and don't want to come and pay homage to God when God say come. Look what this word say. He say, you know, all that stuff you're running at, he's going to shake all that. He done already told you he's going to blow on it. But you don't believe him, so he's going to make a believer out of it. Because what he's doing is, he's going to shake it. Now when he's shaking, he says he's going to shake all the nations. That's all the people. He's going to shake it. And the desire of all the nations, which is all the people, shall be to come. Shall come. After he shake them, after he put that thing on them, they're going to be running to the Lord. You remember how they were doing for two weeks? Everybody was praying when 9 11 hit. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Two weeks away, they put the party, they put the paint on. Oh, we're going to go shake it down, honey. Two weeks later, back home hopping again. Two weeks. That's all it took. The devil is a stinking liar. I said, when I shake this thing this time, you're going to go. And look what else he said. And I will fill which house? This house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. All this year, a lot of things have happened unusual. It was prophesied 
in the beginning of the year, if y'all remember, to go, or earthquake hit two weeks after the prophecy came forth. Earthquake hit, killed in Haiti, killed about two, three hundred fifty thousand people. Remember? Remember? Then the volcano, Oviana, spewed up and, and cut down the airways over in Europe and Iceland and all over in there for about two or three weeks. They weren't able to fly or do nothing. And all that other stuff that's been going on, all the floods, the 500 year flood up here in Nashville, you know, unheard of stuff. I really don't want to say this, but it would, I'm going to put it to you like this, because I don't want to see it happen. But it would surprise me if God, before this year is out, brings something on this earth that will supersede all of them things that's already done hit this year already, that we thought was so drastic. It would not surprise me that if God brings a shaking, a shaking in this land, and it wouldn't surprise me, because I dare not just say it out, because power is in words. So, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's a bone blast. Red hand and mud. Before this year, guys, it wouldn't surprise me. I dare not speak that. But it wouldn't surprise me. But the thing is, is I meant to be at a place where all of them waiting in line to run in a store like something stupid. And a suicide bomber just decide just to come up in. You hear what I'm saying, sister? How vulnerable and ignorant we are? That's easy picking. Sitting there overnight, waiting on your death, thinking you're going to buy a big screen television. Yeah, you're going to buy the big screen. You'll be on the big screen. Stay away from crowd. Stay away from people that don't mean you no good. Stay away from low lifers. Stay away from people that want you to reach down instead of them reaching up. Still, and for God's sake, stay away from people that don't want the God that you serve. Because if they want the God that you serve, then they'd be here with you. Stay away from that. Told y'all 50 11 times about that old crazy stuff. Turn that mess loose and grow higher in God. How you go? Every way. And sin that so easily besets us. The word of the Lord tells us here, and I'm telling you, and it's too big. The Bible says that I'm going to fill his house with glory, says the Lord. He done promised to do it. He said in verse 8, called the silver is mine, and the gold is mine too. So, why are we running at, <laughs> you know what I don't understand? Why are we running at the servant who's got the gold, which is the world, then running to the one who owned the gold and the silver. You, do it make sense to you? Why not run to the source? And then you can tell the source what you want. And he'll make 
The servants just got it, release it. Oh, y'all don't get it. You don't get it. You say you get it, but you don't get it. Oh, Jesus. Help me, Lord, patience. Because the wealth of the wicked is made up for me. I don't know about you, but I put my stamp on it. And verse 9 says that the glory of this latter house, that's the one that we in now, shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place, y'all see it? Will I give what? Peace. Somebody say peace. peace. Say who? The Lord of hosts. Somebody say peace. Thank God for peace. I appreciate y'all taking the time out with me tonight. Praise God, everybody.